everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Vetfolio Voice. For this episode, sponsored by First Financial Bank, I was once again joined by the amazing Ashley Moore, and we discussed disaster preparation and recovery, a topic that many of us don't want to think about, but one that's necessary to ensure our own financial health and the health of our practices. Recently, we've seen more than our fair share of disasters from financial crises to natural disasters to the recent COVID pandemic. As I'm recording this, we're entering the beginnings of peak hurricane season in Florida, so really hoping the Atlantic stays quiet for a while. We know these disasters happen, so as my husband likes to say, we should hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Very happy to be joined for this conversation by my guest, Ashley Moore. With over a decade of experience in growing successful startups, Ashley knows what it takes to build a successful business from the ground up. Her passion for entrepreneurship and seeing a business owner's dreams come to fruition is the driving force behind her work funding small business ownership. Through her work as a sales and business development professional, Ashley has been an integral part of the success and growth of business in the health, wellness, and veterinary spaces. She's worked with veterinary practices across the country, is passionate about their results, and knows what it takes to stand out in this very competitive field. She holds a degree in business management and marketing from Penn State and has leveraged her knowledge and expertise to ensure the goals of small business owners are achieved. Outside of work, Ashley is passionate about animal welfare and volunteers weekly at a local animal shelter. She's a lifelong athlete and martial artist and loves participating in outdoor activities with her husband, children, and dogs. Let's go ahead and get into our talk. I am once again joined by the fantastic Ashley Moore from First Financial Bank. And today we're going to talk about disaster recovery. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely excited to be back. Yes. And we're so happy to have you back. Um, And like I mentioned, we're talking about disaster recovery. So let's start with what a disaster is. I think when a lot of us hear disaster at least speaking for myself, I instantly jump to like natural disasters or, you know, like global pandemics like COVID. But (laughs) (laughs) it's important to keep in mind that, you know, a disaster can take on a lot of different forms. So with that in mind, how do you define a disaster? Uh, And in working with veterinary practices in your experience, how would you define, define a disaster for veterinary practices? Yeah. So I I think you first and foremost definitely hit it right on the head. When we think of disasters, obviously for veterinarians and industries everywhere, natural disasters, tornadoes, blizzards, those types of things, floods, and obviously COVID and global pandemics and things like that. But, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, on an individual basis of fire in the facility, anything that impacts you personally from like a car wreck or anything like that, or even, you know, break-ins, vandalism, anything that, you know, can put a halt to your normal operations or result in decrease in that cash coming in um, that is kind of outside of your control. So again, anything that, you know, can impact your day-to-day operations. 
And I think that kind of emphasizes why it's so important that we're having this conversation because, you know, we think of, if we think of natural disasters, it's easy to say like, oh, well, you know, that's going to happen to somebody else. It's not going to happen to me. Hopefully that's true. And none of these disasters ever happen to any of us. But keeping in mind the many different forms that disaster can take on, it kind of emphasizes the importance of making sure that we're prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I say to everybody all the time, you know, it's like when they tell me, you know, oh, that's never going to happen to me. Well, it's never going to happen to you until it happens to you. Right. Right. (laughs) So nobody, you know, goes into their work day planning like, yeah, today's a really good day for a fire. You know, I I just (laughs) waiting for that fire to come in. So you're absolutely right. You know, you definitely want to be prepared. So one of those major pieces of disaster preparation is being properly insured. So you want to make sure that your practice has adequate coverage from, you know, the building that you're in, if you own it, um, to all of that equipment in there. I mean, some of your equipment is very tens of thousands, if not more dollars. And you want to make sure that that's covered because again, something that impacts your day-to-day cash flow operation, <laughs> losing a piece of that equipment to a disaster could be devastating to you know, the, your ongoing operation. So making sure that those things are covered, all of your property that's held within that. But on top of that, things like workman's comp and liability. I mean, it, veterinary medicine can be dangerous. You're, you're dealing with a kind of, you know, up and down clientele there. <laughs> um, so, Unpredictable yeah, patients very, from time to very, time. Uh, right, right. You never know. Sometimes they might react a little silly. So you want to make sure you're covered in that regard too, because that can be disastrous for a practice to run into an issue and have somebody get injured or whatever the case may be and not being covered there. And uh, beyond those practice coverages, you want to make sure that individually you're covered too. So we don't necessarily require you to get like disability or something like that, where um, it's, you know, all of those personal coverages, so to speak. But what we do in most cases like to see is life insurance. So, you know, whether that be, you know, a gap in collateral in case something were to happen or, you know, just you personally as a veterinarian, we want to make sure that you are able to be covered should something unfortunate happen. So that brings us to something that we've talked about before uh, with life insurance. We've talked about it in light of helping to secure a practice loan and making sure that that practice is taken care of should, God forbid, something happen to us, something we don't want to think of, but unfortunately need to in order to be prepared. Can you talk about the role of life insurance in the case of a disaster, making sure that that our families are protected, um, both our both our work family and our home family? Absolutely. So yeah, we, we've talked about how that life insurance is important to obtaining that loan, just like you said, but should a disaster befall you personally, you are the one running that practice and and are needed to make sure that it's financially secure. So that life insurance just helps to ensure that any shortfall that happens, any collateral shortfall, that bank's covered, that liability doesn't fall back on anybody else. If there's, you know, a second owner, a, a minority owner, or somebody within your family. So it just protects everybody involved in that case. And I think some people uh, get concerned that, well, you know, I'm going to get this policy and then it's just going to go to the bank. 
Um, But that's not the case when it comes to life insurance. Can you explain that in a little bit more detail? Absolutely. So there is a common misconception that the bank will be the beneficiary on the policy. And that's definitely not the case. It's actually assigned to the bank. And what that means is that the bank will only take what is needed to cover the remaining balance of the loan. So say you have a million dollar policy, you can still list your spouse, your kids, whoever as the beneficiary. And, you know, say your bank loan only has a $200,000 balance. The bank will only require that $200,000. The remainder goes to that beneficiary. So, uh, yeah, just like I said, that's it's definitely a common misconception, but you you can still have that insurance policy to protect your family further. Sure, sure. And I love that you brought up like a, a secondary owner, whether it's a partner or a minority owner um, or something like that, making sure that they're protected as well, because that's something I really hadn't thought of before. Right, right. And I mean, it, it's it's something that, you know, you as a business owner as well for your minority owners and things. I mean, it for them to have policies is not a bad idea either because again we're not going into the workday thinking yes today's the day for a disaster but um it's better to be over prepared than under prepared because it again it doesn't happen to you until it happens and it's easy to look at it through an outside lens and say yeah oh well that's that's awful for them but i think even i mean look at the global pandemic right at the beginning of this we were all saying oh two weeks We'll be back to normal in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and look at us over two years later, um, staring down year three, and it's still a daily conversation. So definitely better to be overprepared in that regard than underprepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this episode being rather timely, we're talking about disaster preparedness month, um, going into that and making sure that we are prepared. But it's not always the most fun subject to talk about. Like you said, nobody goes into their day like, all right, I'm ready for anything. Like, come on, disaster, bring it on. These are these tend to be things that happen (laughs) unexpectedly. Um, So but let's let's paint it in a little bit more positive light that it's not always kind of a, a downer conversation. What are some of the ways that you've seen people and practices recover from disasters that they've encountered? Yeah, so I think one of the best ways I've seen people being able to recover is being able to pivot. You know, like take a COVID as an example. You know, the people that were able to kind of change their regular way of doing business, adding in additional services, you know, curbside pickup mobile practices, anything that kind of works with the changing times. Um, I think that is, you know, the best way that I've been able to see people recover from situations where their daily routine is is thrown by the wayside. And I think a lot of that um, is done through planning and preparation. I mean, a lot of people who have a really good plan for their business um, I know we've, we've talked about business plans before, but having that dynamic business plan there, right, where you can um, look at where you are right now, kind of see where you plan to go and how you can pivot to make up for the changes of, of what's been happening um, in the world. Those are the ones that I've seen be able to re- not only recover, but grow after experiencing you know, a difficult situation. And I think that makes sense because if you are prepared and you have those pieces in place, then, you know, obviously COVID is a little bit of a different story because that was something different than many of us had prepared for or experienced. But even, even in light of that, if you have the pieces in place to where 
you're taken care of as much as possible, then it frees, it frees your brain up to see the bigger picture and to say, okay, this is like you said, that flexible business plan or dynamic business plan, I think is what you said. And, and to be able to see that bigger picture and continue and either pivot, grow, move forward in, in whatever way makes sense. I always love good anecdotes when it comes to these types of things. I like to tell a lot of stories in the clinic. Um, So do you have any stories that could kind of paint a picture of what this looked like? Any cool cases where you're like, I had this one hospital and they did this really neat thing and it worked out great for them? Yeah. So, I mean, I have way in the light of, I think, recent situations. I've had many (laughs) where people have been able to come out on top of this. And I think in veterinary medicine, it's interesting because, and and I think you and I have talked about it before, nothing is necessarily disaster pandemic proof, but if done correctly, it's easy, easier than a lot of, a lot of other cases for those in vet medicine to come out on the other end, because people are, you know, people are always Good and neither animals taken care of. But I think one that stands out to me um, was somebody who actually had a brick and mortar practice. They were in an area where COVID restrictions were heavy and weren't letting up as quickly as other areas of the country. So where you might have a situation in some places where, you know, maybe they adopted some curbside or whatever the case is, but we're still operating fairly normally that wasn't the case for this particular clinic. So what they did was started as brick and mortar, but transitioned into a very mobile model where they would go see their clients um, who were uncomfortable leaving their houses. And then one thing that they also did was monetize their telemedicine. And, you know, it was something that they were spending a lot of time doing, but and it is never time wasted, obviously, with patients, but they were w- leaving money on the table by doing it without a monetary value attached. So adding that to it. So really, you know, them seeing the bigger picture and being able to see like, okay, this is what is needed right now because we're not going, if we don't make these changes and these pivots, we're not going to be getting the same type of return for months. And we don't have an end date in sight at this point. Two weeks is far gone. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So um, what's interesting about them, though, is now that things, you know, are opened back up and they are able to start operations and have operations back in their brick and mortar, similar to, you know, pre-pandemic levels, their practice has grown exponentially because they have all of these other services now. So that's an example of somebody who, you know, not only pivoted and did great given the circumstances, but also was able to grow despite them. Wow. And that is, uh, for those of you listening, that will be our next episode is monetizing telemedicine. No, I'm just kidding. That's a conversation that we all it. need to have. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and um, I, you, you guys, is, I mean, a lot of veterinarians that I talked to, I think that that was something you know, hard to wrap their head around was, you know, so these, I'm looking at this skin issue and I can get paid for it over the phone. (laughs) Yes, you can. Right. Yes, you can. And people are used to it now. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. in their own medicine with doctors and and things like with their own family physicians and things, virtual appointments have become fairly normal. I know with my, my son, he's had several 
you know, telemed visits. And I think, you know, it's carrying over into veterinary and hopefully more and more see that they can get paid for all of their time as they should. Absolutely. And and we're getting into like, like I said, like a whole nother episode here. But um, <laughs> yeah, just thinking about with the with the increased patient load that came from uh, from COVID and, and just the increased patient right. load in general that we're seeing right now. Um, being able to be a little bit more strategic with those phone calls, a little bit more strategic and, with those appointments and allocate our time that way. Um, yeah, that's a conversation that we could go on for a while about. <laughs> so coming back to the reason that we're here, coming back to, to disasters and recovering from disasters, it sounds like practices dealing with unforeseen hurdles and complications is something that you see with some degree of regularity. This is not an infrequent thing, hopefully not all the time though. But thinking of of facing down a disaster, it takes me back to something that one of our professors told us in vet school when we were talking about student loans. And they said, don't default on your loan unless you talk to your financial institution first. Does that also apply when it comes to practice loans? Absolutely. I mean, it, we never as the bank and your loan officer and somebody who, I mean, I get to know all my clients very, very well through this entire process. We never want to see you default. That's not good for anybody, right? So there are options for you should, you know, you be experiencing a final financial hardship through some sort of disaster outside of your, outside of your control. So, you know, your first line of defense when it comes to working through these issues, whether it be, you know, vandalism in your practice, which unfortunately happens, um, or, you know, a burst pipe or whatever the case is, your first line of defense is to see, to be fully insured, you know, to go for that coverage and see what you can get um, in return for that, because that's why it's there. You know, it's it's not a bad thing to have to use what you're paying for. So definitely always utilize that. But you know, if it comes down to it, definitely call your bank and see what options they have for you as far as deferred payments or anything like that. Anything that can help you kind of bridge the gap until, you know, you can start making those regular payments again. Um, and that's going to be, you know, institution by institution on an individual basis um, in most cases, but you definitely want to talk to them first. And that also depends too on whether or not it is, you know, an individual situation where just your clinics impacted or if there's wide scale um, natural disasters. I know, you know, <laughs> keep bringing up COVID, but um, for COVID, the government stepped in a bit and gave, um, you know, PPP loans and disaster loans. And, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases with those PPP loans, as long as you follow the rules, a lot of um, that debt was forgiven. So there is help out there should a disaster come up, but you do have to seek it. It's not just going to come to you. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice is, is you know, just what you said, make sure to, to reach out and, and see what options are out there. Absolutely. And it sounds like that's another reason why it's so important to be comfortable with your financial institution so that you do have someone who you have a relationship with and you feel comfortable reaching out to. Absolutely. I mean, even during COVID, um, we had people reaching out to us who were having issues, you know, with, you know, financial institutions that they didn't really have a relationship with um, obtaining some of this disaster relief and things like that. So make sure that you know 
you know, who to go to, number one, should it happen. In some cases, you know, with us, you know, it, you can always come to your loan officer, but in some cases it might be a different department or different person within that institution. So make sure you know who to go to and, and what to ask and start early. Don't wait for, you know, that to happen before you find out this information. Make sure that, you know, you're getting prepared um, ahead of time. Yeah, I feel like that's good advice for anybody dealing with with any situation is one, be as prepared as possible. And then two, if you do run into a problem, um, you know, start start working on that right away. Don't don't let it mushroom into something bigger. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> What's one piece of advice that you would give to prospective practice owners or even existing practice owners who want to be more prepared for potential disasters? I mean, definitely know your location and know what can happen where you're at. And, you know, every practice is different, different locations are going to have different problems. You know, for example, I'm here in Pittsburgh, PA, I might need to be more concerned about frozen pipes and blizzards than you who might need to be worried about a hurricane down in Florida. Um, So make sure that you have the right types of coverages in place and choose the right team around you. Make sure you have an insurance agent that knows what they're doing. Um, and a financial institution that's able to help you with that. Um, Because you never know. I mean, even, you know, 20 years ago, we might have had everything on paper records and be able to, you know, we had to worry about losing those one way. Now in 2022, the threat of cybersecurity (laughs) and infringement, right? Um, That could have a huge impact on your day-to-day operations and, you know, a, a data breach in, um, or in something like that could have a huge impact on the overall production in your facility on, on the date, on the daily. So you want to make sure that you're you know prepared for everything and you know what kind of coverages you need there. But I will say that, you know, when it all comes down to it, the most important piece of it all is making sure that you have a plan in place and setting all of this up ahead of time. If you're honestly coming to them with these types of questions and you're getting that feeling that they're judging you for getting all of the information possible, I mean, it, it, let's let's face it, when you're going into a financial situation like this, you're kind of laying all your cards on the table. It feels very vulnerable. So if they're making you feel like you can't come to them with all of your questions, comments, and concerns, and that's definitely something to to take note of. Sure, sure. Making sure that you're you're comfortable there. And a lot of what you're saying, I think, makes sense to us as medical professionals, speaking for myself at least, that, it, you know, it sounds like the old an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Making sure that you're prepared ahead of time is going to save you a whole lot of headache and heartache on the other side. I think that is the perfect analogy. Um, <laughs> it applies case. in so many situations. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it, it absolutely does. I love that because, I mean, I don't think it applies in any better better place than than right here on, on both sides of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of like you said before, everybody says that won't happen to me until it happens to them. None of us want to believe that any of this could happen to us. But what would you say to someone who maybe isn't buying into that ounce of prevention mentality and they're hesitant to put these coverages and these contingencies in place? Unfortunately, this is a conversation I've had 
many times. <laughs> um, oh no. Um, I would say, you know, you, it, it's hard looking past that high dollar amount right now when you think you can save, you know, $10,000, but that $10,000 could save you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars later on. So, you know, that amount right now could be the difference between your business, you know, sustaining through a disaster or potentially shutting down. So I would say, you know, you, in a lot of cases, it's, it's going to be a requirement to get those, those coverages. And there's really not a choice, but if you do have the choice, if it's something that's going to protect you, your business, your professional and your personal, you know, home life and home family, I I'd say it's a good idea to, to, to move forward with that. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, it's always great having you on the podcast. I love chatting with you about all things, you know, financial and and practice ownership related. So thank you so much for coming back on again today. Are there any other thoughts you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I definitely just want to say, should there be, you know, any questions or you're unsure of, you know, kind of where if you're fully protected or where to go, should something happen? Definitely always, you can always reach out to myself. I know Swanda has been on here several times, but any of us at First Financial Bank are happy to help you. We want to be a resource. So definitely don't hesitate to shoot us a message or give us a call should you need some help here. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I definitely look forward to the next one. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thank you again to First Financial for making this episode possible. And of course, thank you to all of you listeners for joining us. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM. And you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. This podcast includes examples and does not guarantee identical outcomes. First Financial Bank does not guarantee loan approval, rates, or terms. Each situation must be evaluated separately. Member FDIC.